Good morning, everyone. Good chaydish. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Chaydish Tammuz. First day is chaydish. We continue all the way in the bottom of 59b and continue in 60a. So the Gemara discussed that we have a, an argument whether the blood, the leftover blood of the bull and the goat, the leftover blood, if there's mi'ila, you're, allowed, you're not allowed to use it. That's why he says if you want to use it for fertilizer, because they would they would pour it into the drain and then they would and they would take the blood and use it for fertilizer. They have to buy it first from the from the from the hectic. So the argument is only rabbinically, but biblically everyone holds that there's no mi'ila. And the question is, <coughs> where do we know this from? So he brought three sources. Ula says it says in the pasuk lachem for your usage, right? And the Shiver Rabshim Meichoy, he said, because it says Lechaper, that the blood is here to atone, but not Mi'ila. Only good things, nothing bad can come from it. It says, Who? That. Who means you compare before the atonement, like after the atonement. Just like after the atonement, there's no Mi'ila. So to before the atonement, even before the atonement, if you use the blood, there's no Mi'ila. When it comes to blood, there's no Mi'ila altogether. The mother says, Why don't you say the reverse? Why don't you say just the opposite? Before the meal, surely, because you didn't do the mitzvah with it yet. So, of course, there's meal. So, so to even after you've already done the mitzvah with it, it's the leftovers, it also is meal. So, your mother says it makes no sense, because there is nothing. We don't find anything where the mitzvah was already done, and it's still considered sacred, and there's meal if you use it, for your own personal uses, it's treachery, and you have to not only pay back the principal, add it 25% on top, and you have to bring the sacrifice. That, that we don't find anything like that. So you might ask the last line on the bottom of 59b, Veloy, we don't find anything that the mitzvah is done and yet there is mi'ilah. I'll bring you an example. But Trumas Hadashen. Trumas Hadashen, the first thing you do in the morning, remember? What's the first thing the kind does in the morning? Takes a little, a scoop of ash and puts it right next to the altar. And that scoop of ash that you put right next to the altar is holy. If you use it for your own personal usage, it's mi'ilah. <coughs> and the mitzvah was already done because it's ash. It was already burnt. Gemara answers. We continue in sixty-eight. Because we have two two things that we find that even though the mitzvah was already done, nevertheless you still have meila. So whenever you have a why does the have to tell me two things? You should have just taught me a one. If it's a principle, the tater is coming to establish a principle to teach me that even when the mitzvah is already done you still have me'ila so just give me one example you don't have to give me two examples why are you giving me two examples to teach me that only these two these are the exceptions to the rule the rule is that once a mitzvah is done there's no me'ila but the room is Hadeshan, the ash is one exception the other exception is big dikunna remember we learned that the high priest what does the high priest do with the white clothes that he wears of he has to bury it bury it means you're not allowed to you're not allowed to benefit from it so you see that even though the mitzvah is already done, you finish Yom Kippur already, it's done, Yom Kippur is over, you have to bury it because you shouldn't, God forbid, use it for your own personal usage. So you see that even though the mitzvah is already done, nevertheless, there is me'ila. And through Mitzadashan also, you have, to, you have to leave it there, to bury it, you can't, you can't do anything with it, it was swallowed up, you have to leave it there. So he said, so since the Taylor teaches me in these two examples, it means these two are the exception to the rule. The general rule is once a mitzvah is done, it's done. So therefore blood, once the mitzvah is already done, you already did all the sprinkling that Taylor obligated you, the leftover, the mitzvah is already done, it can't be ill, there's nothing sacred left in it. So when the Titus says, oh, it comes to teach me to, to, that the, the, before the atonement, like after the atonement, come and teach me the exact opposite. And just like after the mitzvah is already done, there is no meal. So even before the sprinkling of the blood, with blood, there is no meal. 
Throughout the year, a regular koyin could use these garments because these garments are what's fit for a regular koyin. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not, so the mitzvah is not done. All the Titus telling you you can't use it for the next Yom Kippur. The Kohen Gadol can't use the same set of garments for the next Yom Kippur. Every Yom Kippur you have to make new, fresh garments for the Kohen Gadol. Just like every Yom Kippur you have to do Tshuva again. Why do you have to do Tshuva again? Maybe I didn't sin this year. Maybe I had a good year. But, <laughs> but every Yom Kippur on a different level. You need a new set of clothing. Yesterday's, yesterday's clothing doesn't fit you anymore. Now you're on a higher level. Fine. But throughout the year, a regular Kayan could, could use it. And, and you don't have to bury it. And he holds, according to his opinion, that there's no mi'ila with the clothing of the garments of a Kayan. Why? Because the, the Torah wasn't given to angels. You can't expect people, immediately, the moment they finish doing the service, they're going to take it off. It's not going to benefit for a moment. So the moment they benefit, they're going to be violate Mila. So therefore, when they, when they made the, the clothes, the garments, they had in mind, there's no Mila here. You, can, you know, if you use it for your own personal usage, that's fine. So according to this, this exception that there is Mila is only, we only find, there only one, there's only find one example where you do a mitzvah and nevertheless, there's Mila. That's the ash. So why don't you? Why not that? Why doesn't that become the base? Why don't you learn from there? The Torah is teaching us and revealing to us that this principle is not true. This whole concept that once a mitzvah is done, it's no longer sacred. The Torah is teaching us clearly that's not so. So why don't you learn from there regarding everything? The blood also. That even though you already spilled and poured the blood, you did everything it was supposed to be done. You did all the sprinklings. The leftover should also be Mila. It should still be sacred. Hmm. According to Rabbi Dyson, Michael may have the money from David Trumas at Dash and Begla Rufa, because there's another example. Begla Rufa. Begla Rufa, if you find someone murdered, and we don't know who the murderer is, so you have to take a calf and you have to break its neck by the, by the, by the water, and you have to bury the Egla Rufa. So it says there you have to bury it, even though you already did the mitzvah. But if you're going to use it for your own personal usage, there's me'ila. So we see, even though the mitzvah was already done, you already broke its neck, you already fulfilled its mitzvah, nevertheless, there's still me'ila. So you have two, the Titus, since the Titus to teach me in two examples, Titus telling me these two are the exceptions. If the Titus was coming to teach me a principle, I just need one example. And I would know for the rest of the Torah that even like the blood, that even though the mitzvah is already done, the leftover is mila. Since the Torah gives me two examples, the Torah is telling me these two are the exceptions. The general rule is once the mitzvah is done, that's it. It's no longer sacred. You can use it for yourself. You only use it. No problem. Only these two are the exceptions. 
Even this rule is not unanimous. There is an opinion that holds, even when the Tater gives two examples. Nevertheless, you can still learn from there. It's an argument in tracted Kiddush. Okay, we're not going to get into the logic of it now. Why? Then why does it tell you to give me two examples? Why is it one example and one? And according to this opinion, it's an argument that I made in Rabbi Yehuda. In tracted Kiddush. It's according to the opinion that even, even when the Torah gives two examples, nevertheless, I can still learn from it a principle for the rest of the Torah, Michael and Mary. So why are you telling me that blood, the leftover blood, since I already did the mitzvah with it, is no longer sacred? Who said? Because today, when the Torah teaches me these two, these two examples, the Torah, by each one of them, the Torah says, it, only it. Like it says, v'samoy, place the ash next to the altar. Samoy means it. It should have said to some place. V'samoy means place it. Only this and nothing else. By the, uh, the example of the Egla Rufa, also it says, ha Rufa. It really says, Arufa. Ha Rufa, the Arufa. Only this example. This is, these two are the exceptions. I can't learn any any of the rest of the Torah from these two examples. Now the Gemara asks. So the original question was, how do we know that the blood you're allowed to benefit from the blood. Biblically, there's no meal. You're allowed to use of your own personal usage. So we have three answers, right? Remember? We just learned yesterday. We just reviewed it today. Ula gave one answer. This, the Yeshiva Rabbi Shimon says, Lechape. Ula says, Lechem. And Rabbi Yechon says, uh, Who? Why do I need three, three words to teach me the same thing? I mean, why do I need the Taita to teach me three different ways to teach me that? What am I going to do with all these three psukim? One is enough to teach me that there's no me'ila with the dumb, with the blood, with the leftover blood. You might ask, why do I need all three psukim? Mm. But it says, one is to exclude blood, the leftover blood from Naisa. If it's leftover, if you leave over from the sacrifice and you eat from the leftover sacrifice, your life gets cut off. Your life gets cut off. Well, if you eat blood, your life obviously gets, gets cut off. What difference does it make? You can, how many times can your life get cut off? You can only die once. <laughs> yeah. But what if the blood, let's say, was unintentional? He didn't know it was blood. But he knew it was a leftover from a sacrifice. So he's coming to teach us. The puzzle is saying that there's no penalty for karath. There's no penalty for leaving over blood. Leftover blood, the laws of leaving not eating leftover doesn't apply to blood. So that's what one exclusion comes to exclude. Mm-hmm. Another passage comes like the rabbi said, each one says that word is coming to teach me that there's no me'ila, there's no, there's no desecration or, or treachery of using this blood for your own personal, personal usage. It's allowed. So that's one exclusion. And the third exclusion comes to exclude mitumah. That if it became impure, if a person became impure, a person who becomes impure is not allowed to, your life gets cut off. If you're impure and you eat from the sacrifice, you enter into the temple, your life gets cut off. So if you drank from the blood, the leftover blood in a state of impurity, let's say not knowing it was blood, but he knew it was a state of impurity, it was sacred in a state of impurity, there is no karis. Because it's already done, it's over. It's, I, but there's a fourth thing we need exclusion. Have a piggle, let's have a piggle. If a person has in mind 
has in mind that you're gonna do the service at the wrong time. I'm gonna eat it in the wrong time. I'm gonna sprinkle the blood in the wrong time after the expiration date. So just that intention of offering the sacrifice with the wrong, with the wrong intention by offering it after the expiration date disqualifies the sacrifice. And if anyone eats from that sacrifice, your life gets cut off. So why don't you exclude also? Why don't you, there should be a fourth exclusion to teach me that this case doesn't apply to the leftover blood. And even the case where the Kayan who's offering the sacrifice had a wrong intention, a bad intention, to do to offer the sacrifice after the expiration date, therefore this while hereby disqualifying the sacrifice. So if you went ahead and drank the blood, the leftover blood of this sacrifice, there's no penalty, there's no cut. So why don't I need a why should it be a fourth exclusion to But it says, for that I don't need a, an exclusion. That I don't need a special pasuk to exclude it. I would know it anyway. I would know it anyway that blood, the leftover blood, it can be the penalty of pigle, of eating of a sacrifice where the Kayan had, had the wrong intention. After the expression, why? If not, we learn the Mishnah, Pigle, the only liable for Pigle, when the Kayan had a wrong intention for doing the service after the expiration date. And if you ate from that sacrifice, so it's only if you ate from the part that a person is going to eat from, after the Kayan offers it and slaughters it and sprinkles it and offers the parts on the altar, then you're allowed to eat the parts of the sacrifice you're allowed to eat from. Or after you sprinkle the blood, then you're allowed to burn it on the altar. You can't burn it on the altar before you sprinkle the blood. You can't eat from the leftover of the sacrifice before you sprinkle the blood. So only those parts of the sacrifice that become permitted by something else, only if you ate from that, then you you desecrate, you violate this prohibition, and then your life gets cut off. If you ate from the portion that's going to be offered on the altar, or if you ate from the portion that's going to be eaten by the koyin, the, the owners, then, then you get you're liable. You get life that's cut off if you eat from this sacrifice that was disqualified by the wrong thought of the kohen. But, but if you eat from the blood, the dam doesn't become permitted. Only something if you eat eat from the sacrifice, the part that becomes permitted by something else. If you eat from the from the meat which comes permitted by sprinkling the blood, if you eat from the parts that's going to be offered on the altar, that becomes permitted by sprinkling the blood on the altar. But if you eat from the blood itself, the blood is what makes others, what what qualifies others to be eaten and others to be offered. The blood itself doesn't become uh, uh, permitted, it permits others. So even if you eat pigle, even if you had drank the blood before it was sprinkled. Blood is is something that's matir. It's not something that becomes mutter. So anyway, either way, there's no pigle by blood. No matter how you slice it, there's no pigle by blood. I don't need a special positive, a special exclusion uh, to teach me that the, that the leftover blood, there's no pigle. Even not the leftover blood, there is no pigle. There's no pigle by blood, period. This blood is the one that makes it, gives a green life for everything else. Pigle is only when the prohibition of eating a sacrifice, where the Kayan had a wrong intention, is only if he eats a sacrifice that needs something else to give it a green light. The meat needs the blood to be sprinkled in order to allow you to eat the meat. The, the, the meat that's burnt on the offering, or the parts of the sacrifice that's burnt on the altar, needs a green light, needs the blood to be sprinkled in order to allow it to permit. So if you eat from that, that needs a green light, then you violate this prohibition and your life gets cut off. But if you eat the thing that gives the green light, the blood, there's no pickle.
So I don't need a special, a fourth, a fourth exclusion to exclude the leftover blood from pigle. No, just from the beginning of this whole discussion. Okay. Dr. Haley, Commissioner, call my CMK, say the whole sequence of the service in Kippur. If he does, if he proceeds, something that has to be later, he did nothing. It doesn't count. For example, if first he sprinkled the blood of the goat, or he sprinkled the blood of the bull offering of the high priest, so it doesn't. It's as if he didn't sprinkle the blood of the goat, because it's not in proper sequence. First, you have to sprinkle the blood of the bull, and then you have to sprinkle. So what do you do? He has to go back. He has to go back and do it over again. He has to go first sprinkle the blood of the bull, and then and then do the whole sequence of the, of the goat again. Let him get it right in the first place. If before he finished the, the, the sprinkling of the blood, in the holy of all these should bring other blood. He has to start all over again. Let's say the blood spilled. He didn't get to the eight. He didn't do a late. After seven, it spilled. If he missed the last one, he has to bring blood again and start from one. But once he's done, let's say he finished the Holy of Holies, then he went out, and before he finished the sprinkling in front of the curtain, after the seventh, it's built. He, he, he couldn't do the eighth, he couldn't finish. So he, doesn't, so he has to bring bl- new blood again, he has to go out and collect new blood, but he doesn't have to start again in the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies is done, but he has to start from sprinkling number one in front of the curtain. And if he's done with the curtain, and then before he had a chance to finish the sprinkling on the inner altar, so he has to start again with the inner altar. Each one is like a separate atonement. Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon argue with the rabbis, and they say, doesn't start from sprinkling number one. If he did seven sprinklings, he has to do eight altogether, and it's, it's the blood spills, so let him start with the eighth. Doesn't he, he doesn't he just continue where he left off. That's the mission. Like the Gimbar, the Tanda Rabban, and the rabbis learn. Everything that Tim Kippen has to be done in sequence and proper order. He does one before the other. He did nothing. Like the Seder, right? I guess everything in the Seder has to be done, has to be done in the right sequence. That's called the Seder. <laughs> Imagine you're going to mix up the Seder of the Seder. You're going to start with Afrikaimen and then... <laughs> Everything has to be done in the Seder, in the right order. If not, it's as if you did nothing. Yeah. Um, Rabbi said, A Messiah, Rabbi Huda qualifies this. A Messiah, that's only true. When do we say this? Only the service that's done with the four white garments, linen garments, and the Holy of Holies. But things that are done in the four white garments that the high priest does, but outside the Holy of Holies, even in the main sanctuary, let alone outside the temple. It doesn't matter. It was out of sequence, we don't care. What's done is done. And you just continue. When do we say that the sequences must be followed meticulously? And if not, you have to do it over again. Anything that the high priest does while he's wearing the white, the four white linen garments, whether it's in the Holy of Holies, whether it's in the sanctuary, even whether it's outside. 
Anything he does in his regular garments, all eight garments, yeah. then the sequence doesn't matter. says, They both derive their ruling from the same verse. It says, This should be a chukah. Chukah means a law. This is the law. Don't veer from the law. Once a year. So once a year, any place is only once a year they enter to the Holy of Holies. So any place that you enter only once a year, any service that's done in that place, it has to be exact. You can't veer off one iota. But anything outside the Holy of Holies, doesn't matter. argues. He, the same verse, he interprets it it's not the place it's the time things that you only do once a year in Yom Kippur anything that's exclusively for Yom Kippur was done with the four white linen garments the things that you do every year all year he did it with the eight garments with eight garments gold anything that was exclusively for Yom Kippur was done so it doesn't matter if it's inside the Holy Rose outside the Holy Rose anything that he does exclusively he has to wear the four linen garments then chukah the title says it has to be precise in the proper sequence <coughs> and if not you have to do the do-over according to Rabbi Huda does it say anywhere mocking? where does Rabbi Huda derive that? doesn't say the title doesn't say achas bashana doesn't say the place the only place that you enter only once a year it says the time so Rabbi Nechemi is correct anything that you do once a year where does it say Hello, so your mother takes it back Hello, in the time of Rabbi Huda you know what the reasoning of Rabbi Huda is it says Zois it says Zois Pasek says Zois Lachem Chukasen Achas. Since it says Zois and Achas, so Chukas is only on this, not on anything else. Mm-hmm. Comes to teach me. So one comes Achas Bashana comes to exclude anything that's done all year round. It's only things that are done in Yom Kippur. And Zeus, even within Yom Kippur itself, only Zeus, only this, only things that are done in the Holy of Holies. And not, and not things that are done outside the Holy of Holies. What's he going to do with the Zeus? Big like he said, it comes to exclude anything that you, the high priest does with wearing off eight garments, because then it's not exclusive to the, to the Yom Kippers, things that he would do any day of the year. And one of them, it comes to exclude it comes to exclude that the leftover blood, even though the Titus says the leftover blood you should pour out on the foundation of the altar. And remember which foundation was it? The foundation that he bumps into as soon as he comes out, Lifne Hashem, the western side of the altar. So he's coming to teach me to exclude that the leftover blood it doesn't matter if you if you, the blood spilled and he didn't do it. It's not it's not a deal breaker. It's leftover. If you have it, pour it out. If you don't have it, it's also fine. But Rabbi Yehuda, what's Rabbi Yehuda going to do? How can Rabbi Yehuda say the Vizayis comes to exclude anything that's outside of the Holy of Holies? 
<coughs> then chukah doesn't apply. The strictness of chukah doesn't apply. Why? We need the zayis to exclude the leftover blood. Abihuda will tell you. He says no. Abihuda will say, who, "Who says? Why are you differentiating? I don't agree with your differentiation of the leftover of the blood. If." Anything that's done outside the Holy of Holies is a deal breaker. It has to be done precisely. And I would tell you, I would argue, the leftover blood also has to be done. And if it spills and it's not done, then if it's not done, then then uh, it's no good. You have to do it over again. Go get blood again and do and do it over again. How do you do over again leftover blood? Basically, <laughs> but but but. But if it's not, like I'm saying, that it's not ma'akiv, it's not a deal breaker. The only thing that's a deal breaker is anything that has to be done inside the Holy of Holies. Anything that's done outside the Holy of Holies doesn't have to be in the proper sequence. So therefore, if it's not done in the proper way, if, if first I spilled out, I guess if he, he spilled out the leftover, if he poured out the leftover blood before he did the sprinkling, and he just left the amount of blood that you need for the sprinkling if he did it out of order. So I'm saying, yeah, I hold it, it doesn't matter. Anything outside the hole, it doesn't matter. But if you hold, if you indeed hold that anything that the high priest does wearing the four white linen garments is a deal breaker, then I would tell you this is also a deal breaker. If you do it out of order, if you spill the blood, you spill pour it on the, on the, on the altar, on the, on the foundation of the altar before you did the sprinkling on the inner altar, yes, then it would be a deal breaker. Tanya, like we learned in the Braise. Right, why is there such a difficulty? Kashas, not just a difficulty, it's a strong difficulty. We have no way out, checkmate. The problem is solvable. Oh, so just the. Thank you for reminding me. So, so Zerashi says elsewhere that, that Sanhedrin and the Kasha doesn't mean checkmate. Kasha means it's a question they didn't find the answer on the spot, but really there is an answer. And the answer here, this is the answer. Very, the answer is that yes, it's not such a contradiction. When he said, holds that the Torah, if the blood spills out, it, it, it's a deal breaker. You have to do what the Torah says. And therefore, if you do it outside the Temple Mount, your life gets cut off. You're serving Hashem. You're doing a service of Hashem outside the Temple. This is called service of Hashem. It's not a suggestion. It's a must. Nevertheless, we exclude from Zeus the idea of Chukah, that everything has to be done in the proper sequence. Everything is, as Rashi explains. What happened here is the blood didn't pour out. He has the blood. It didn't spill. He has the blood. Instead of doing the proper sequence, immediately after doing the forty-three sprinklings on the inside and in front of the uh, front of the uh, front of the curtain and on the uh, uh, inner altar, then go ahead and immediately pour the blood out on the foundation of the altar on the west side, the west side of the altar. Instead, he went ahead and continued doing the rest of the service, and then he went back and poured the blood. So it was out of sequence. So so Zayis come to teach me, it doesn't matter. The sequence doesn't matter. But the blood has to be spilled. Otherwise, the leftovers have to be spilled. Otherwise, that is a deal breaker. But this being in the proper sequence, that's not a deal breaker. So it's not such a strong question. Okay. Okay. Baruch Hashem Shukivan. Okay. Zagdi Gimara Vait. 
If you went ahead and he gathered, he scooped up the potatoes, the high priest scooped up the potatoes into his, into his hands. Before he slaughtered the bull, he did not. Because it has to be done in the proper sequence. What's the proper sequence? First, he has to slaughter the bull. And then he has to scoop up the incense. So if it's not done in the proper sequence, no good. So he says, come on. According to who does this follow? Like in Abu you just said, Rabbi Huda said, only things that are done in the Holy of Holies have to be done in the proper sequence. Anything that the high priest does, even while he's wearing the four special linen garments, but it's done outside the Holy of Holies, doesn't have to be the proper sequence. So according to Rabbi Huda, it wouldn't matter if he did it out of sequence. At first he scooped up, and then he, 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 he offered the bull. What it says... <coughs> Only things that were done inside and holy of holies. Like you want to know? I feel the time Rabbi Huda. Really, even Rabbi Huda would agree with this. Allah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> the purpose of scooping up is for the purpose of bringing it into the holy of holies. Anything that's associated with the holy of holies. In order to bring in the blood in the Holy of Holies, in order to bring in the incense, he's scooping up outside, but it's in order to bring in the Holy of Holies. So anything that will eventually end up in the Holy of Holies, even if you're doing it on the outside, chukka applies, it has to be done. It has to be done in the proper sequence. So therefore, if you scoop up before you slaughter the bull, it's not kosher. He says, "Now we learn now Mishnah. Before we finish giving all the sprinkles and the Holy of Holies, Nishbach Adam, the blood poured out. Yavid Amachri has to bring in another blood. Yazer, Yazer, but he has to start again. Another animal, another animal. According to you." He should have said, not only does he have to bring, in other words, he has to slaughter another animal, take another bull, start all over again. But wait a minute. He has to do more than that. Because if he already, if he, because then he did, because he already did the, the, the uh, gathering of the incense. He brought it in with him. He already did that. So now it turns out that the gathering of the incense was done before before the slaughtering of the bull. You said, even according to Rabbi Yehuda, the, the gathering of the incense must be done after, after the slaughtering of the bull. So not only would he have to slaughter, the mission should have said, not only does he have to slaughter another bull and do it again, start all over again, now he has to slaughter a bull, and after that, he has to go and do again the incense. We continue in 61a. He's not discussing incense, but you're right. That he would also have to do that. Our mission is just talking about the, the blood. He's not, he's not talking, discussing. But you're right, he would have to do a, start everything all over again. So you have to slaughter the bull and do the sprinkling, and then he would have to go and scoop the incense another time. Have a wonderful, wonderful chedesh. <laughs>